everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Mark of Athena. How you doing today, Jane? Oh, I I am doing magnificently today. Uh-huh. Uh, there, there was some, there was a Therapy Dogs, like, open event earlier that I, that I got to go to. So I spent, like, half an hour, 45 minutes just petting uh, a greyhound named Fred. Oh my god. And that, that was that was the highlight of my day. That's amazing. <laughs> How are you, Jacqueline? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm like, winning life today. I, <laughs> I've eaten good food. I've conquered medical bills. I'm, Fuck yes. I'm, tr- I'm truly just, like, at the top of my game and so ready to record. <laughs> I'm so ready to tell everyone about these fucking chapters. These fucking chapters. Alright, huh, huh, Is there any? Let me let me quickly look to see if there's there's been no news. I don't think in the world we're we're pretty much just clear. Quickly check. Percy Jackson Disney Plus series cancelled. Okay. Was it really? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh okay. Oh great. I was like, oh, oh, sure, why not? Fuck it. At this point, I set who you cares? up so that so that now, uh, when it actually does happen, you'll laugh and think it's a bit, and then sound like a real asshole when it turns out that it actually did happen. <laughs> You're so mean to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, the latest thing is still the um, Hephaestus and Hades casting. I think. I see. I see. Well, that's just fine. In that case, shall we move on to the summaries? I think we shall. All right. Chapter 9. Should I be saying, like, chapter IX for more, like, to make it more Roman appropriate? I don't know. Maybe maybe we do, like, um, uh, Arabic numerals when it's the Greeks and Roman numerals when we're on, like, Roman perspective chapters. Could be cool. I guess I'll try it out. <laughs> IX. Piper. Now it feels wrong. Chapter 9. Piper. Well, also the Pipe o- is Greek, so, like... <laughs> That's true. That would have been correct anyway. Uh, We open with Piper sitting by Jason, concerned both by the fact that he got brained by a brick when all the shit went down in New Rome, and by the visions she's been seeing in her knife. Octavian gathering forces to pursue them, Jason with gold eyes riding into battle on horse, and twin giants, as well as the most terrible, her drowning with Percy and Jason in a giant well full of ghostly shapes. She forces the blade to show her something helpful instead, and sees the image of a man off the highway in Topeka, wreathed in vines and offering her a gift. This is interrupted by Jason waking up, just as everyone returns from resource retrieval. While the last chapters were happening, Percy, Annabeth, and Frank apparently ran into tar monsters. Most of them go off to fight Narcissus' fan club, while Leo gets the ship back into the sky. An hour later... They have a meeting in the mess hall where they all share information, with Piper even admitting pretty quickly for the first time in her life that she's been having private visions. We're treated to a prophecy prediction corner, and Piper can tell Jason knows something involving the legendary and mentioned to Annabeth that explains why the two camps hate each other, but he doesn't want to talk about it. They decide they need somewhere to land to finish repairs and avoid the Romans, and, remembering her vision, Piper suggests Topeka. Chapter 10. Piper. After a bit of sleep... The ship begins its descent, and Piper heads to the deck. Jason and Percy figure out the person in her vision was probably Bacchus, who Jason wants to do a favor for, and Percy is generally unenthused about. There is a little spat between Frank and Leo before the parties are decided. Hazel and Frank will go scout, and Piper, Percy, and Jason will go see Bacchus. It's a bit too far to walk, though, so our hero boys decide to measure- Sorry, I mean, summon their respective (laughs) horses, which they ride on to the marker in Piper's vision. Bacchus is indeed there, somehow both, like, femier and broier version of Dionysus. Uh, <laughs> and he's here in Kansas to fight alongside Ceres in the plant war. Percy tries to do the same old routine he has with Mr. D and, and almost gets turned into a dolphin for real, so Piper redirects the conversation. However, Bacchus has no gifts for her, though he does know about the giants. He was a demigod during the first giant war, fighting side by side with Hercules himself and the ones he killed were the twins, Ephialtes and Otis. Probably the ones in the prophecy. He advises they seek out the sea god Phorcys somewhere in Atlanta, a son of Gaia who doesn't like his mom or siblings much. Speaking of Gaia, 
Bacchus realizes the reason he can't find Ceres is because there's probably a trap brewing. So he disappears just before the old gal reveals herself, voice booming through the field and declaring that she wants the blood of both a female and male demigod so she can awaken fully. She commands Piper to choose which of Percy and Jason will die with her, but she refuses, so Gaia somehow puts Jason and Percy under control. If Piper won't decide, they'll simply have to duel to the death. Chapter 11. Piper. Jason and Percy charge at each other, first on horseback until the horses decide they don't want to be part of this, then on foot, sword to sword. Piper can't get them to stop, but she does learn that they're not being controlled by Gaia directly, but by ghosts called Eidolons, who are working for Gaia in the pursuit of returned life. It's the same thing that happened to Leo. The battle continues to the point that Percy nearly kills Jason, but Piper manages to halt the Eidolon just long enough for the Blackjack to sneak behind him and knock him out with a proper horse kick to the head. She takes them back to the ship, and, after some recuperation, the boys wake up, briefly discussing which of them would have totally won in a legit fight, before they head to another meeting. It seems like it's going to be too hard to convince the Romans to back off even now knowing it was an Eidolon controlling Leo, and Jason's suggestion of Piper talking to Reyna doesn't go over well considering the Praetor's history with each other. So they decide to just keep going and tell the Roman demigods can't follow them anymore, lest they too break new Roman law by entering the Mediterranean. They start to head for bed, but Piper stops them. Because the Eidolons are still there. Chapter 12, Piper. Everything goes dead silent after Hazel agrees that she too can sense the ghost's presence, and Piper uses her charm speak to command the Eidolons to raise their hands. There's a beat. Then Leo laughs, about to dismiss the whole thing, before realizing his hand is raised, as well as Jason Percy's. The seance begins. The Eidolons say that the three of them were the only ones sent, as they were the strongest, and they will not leave. They try to goad Frank by bringing up his life's fragility, almost drawing him into a fight before Piper stops them. She uses her most powerful charm speak to force them into swearing in the river Styx that they will leave and never return to the ship, nor will they possess members of the crew. The boys slump forward, the spirit's presence dissipated, and Jason and Piper leave for some fresh air. Piper is feeling all torn up. More than anything, she wants Jason to stay safe, but she doesn't want that to mean Percy will die. On top of that, it feels like Jason is holding back from her. He chooses this moment, though, to open up, telling her that he does know a little about the Camp Jupiter legend. But if he tells Annabeth about it, then it could cause her to distrust him. Children of Athena have been leading the charge against Romans in pursuit of something stolen from them for millennia. Jason also apologizes for asking her to contact Reyna. He never had those feelings for her, so, so he didn't even consider what that could seem like to Piper. He promises he would never go back to Camp Jupiter without her, and Piper tries to find comfort in this, but can only concentrate on how the fields at night remind her of dark water. So Jane, what did you think of these chapters? I, th these were pretty good. And they, they were good in a way that like, even though these kind of, I, I felt thoroughly hornswoggled by these, I, two, two things that I was really uh, hoping to happen would be shot, were shot down by these chapters. Uh, but I still enjoyed them a lot. Yeah, no, same. It's <laughs> This book is, like, consistently hitting. We're 12 chapters in, and still there just hasn't been a dud. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. Do we want to, do we want to start with what some of your, your predictions were that got, <laughs> that got foiled? Because it's really funny that this keeps happening to, to you. I... When I when I was reading these before bed um, the other day, I was like, I, okay, I'm gonna just read some some of this book to like unwind from the day and just get, get myself ready to sleep. Uh, and the next thing Jacqueline knew, she was receiving uh, panic text messages from me, absolutely pogging, uh, because uh, Piper predicts Jason appearing with like golden eyes, and I was like, oh fuck, it's real, it's real this time. Kronos is back. He's going to show up at the end of this book and possess Jason. And then that wasn't what happened. No, it turns out Golden Eyes doesn't mean Kronos anymore. Golden Eyes just means possessed, I guess. I guess so. I, that's fine. <laughs> well, what was your... that? It, it's really funny. You keep trying to make Kronos happen. And I'm not sure Kronos is going to happen. 
I think I, I, I'm at the point now, this is, I think this has broken me, and even if we are like, we're getting a prophecy that's like, the Lord of Time will return, I won't believe that it's Kronos coming back <laughs> until I see it. You'll be like, oh, so this is gonna be fucking, like, Kronos, like, with a C, the god of clocks or whatever. <laughs> uh, it's very well, possible. Well, what was your other prediction that got shot down? It's not so much a prediction as a, a, a belief that I had about Son of Neptune that I thought was very fun, which was that I I was firmly in the camp that um, Mars absolutely remembered Percy when he showed up at Camp Jupiter and just pretended not to because he was embarrassed about getting his ass kicked. Uh-huh. However, these chapters, uh, when we get to Barca, seem to confirm that uh, for some of the Olympians, they can't remember stuff between their Greek and Roman forms. True. I mean, for some of them, though, maybe maybe Mars and Ares have a specially, like, they're just better synthesized than everyone else. I, I desperately hope so, because Juno and Hera can do it. Yeah, well, it's interesting because Bacchus, uh, like, is very split. Like, Percy mentions Dionysus, and he, like, flickers back to the, the for, to Mr. D form for a second. But that doesn't happen to Juno or uh, Mars. Well, that's... Isn't that because, um... The gods are being, and I, I quote Rick directly here, schizophrenic, which sh- sure is the word that he keeps using to describe the fact that they're like split between their Greek and Roman aspects by like the possibility of a war. Yeah, great, great usage of terms, Rick. Yeah, oh, you're probably right though, because like that, the potential for war was there before, but now it is like on the forefront. Like mm-hmm. some shit is going to happen between Camp Jupiter and Camp Half Blood. I think I think it was last week Nemesis was saying that this would happen to them and the reason she was okay was because the Greek and Roman aspects were basically the same. Right, right, right. Yeah, I would well it's it's interesting because and this is the first time we're seeing that in these chapters. I mm-hmm. think oh, do we Hmm. I, I'm happy to see Piper back. I, I wasn't sure what to expect because we got we got Annabeth who was, you know, wasn't really a POV character in any of the previous books. We got Leo, who's a pre a POV character in the fucking uh the the, the Lost Hero. And mm-hmm. so I wasn't sure whether to expect like Frank or Hazel or Jay, like I wasn't sure who we were gonna get. So I, but I'm really happy that we got Piper. Yeah, I, I I'm happy I'm happy to see Piper again. She's still having an absolutely awful time. Yeah, she it turns out um you know how sometimes people say that uh it gets better. Like things and <laughs> like things that are bad don't persist for it turns out Piper just will always have the same problems. Uh, when she looks at her knife, it will always show her horrible visions. Well, there's that and I think that that is like a very real um, thing that is causing her problems in these chapters, because like a, a big a big doubt that she's having is like, oh god, is this all my fault because I subconsciously self sabotaged because I didn't really want to be friends with the Romans, so I didn't charm speak them properly, which means that I fucked all of this up. And I feel like that that has to be a holdover from her basically being a traitor and lost hero, right? It is. It really is. Like, she's terrified that that's still her. Yeah, I love this consistent characterization. I love that she is, like... Because, yeah, Jason and Leo embraced her with open arms when she admitted this Mm -hmm. to to them. But, like, she was still really hard on herself, and she's still being incredibly hard on herself because she knows that she she does have the potential to sabotage things. She has done it before. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's great. Seeing... Like I was worried for a second when I like oh, when I first like read the first few pages and saw like Piper was sitting there. She had a secret, but she was she wasn't gonna tell anyone or whatever. <laughs> but then she tells everyone like a few pages later, so it's fine. She's learned a lesson. That's some that's yeah. some growth there. Definitely, like there's if there's a very real world where this book had been written and it was just about seven children all like sitting in their own corners keeping secrets from everyone else and not talking Mm -hmm. uh because that there have been parts of this like greater franchise where it's felt like that at times Uh uh-huh and I'm, i'm glad that we didn't end up there yeah, agreed. There's like it, it's being deployed in some places where it makes sense, like with uh, Hazel not telling Leah about the firewood and shit. But it it's not like 
a universal thing and that stops it from being frustrating exactly it's based it's very much based on like the character what they're up to like what what's in their heads what's like what what their deal is it's very much based character mm-hmm. to character and that's that's good to me uh i just want to also point out that um when piper is sitting in her room and being like oh i shouldn't look at the knife oh but i kind of want to look at the horrible vision that the knife shows me oh why did i look at the horrible visions that the knife shows me uh that is just me with twitter <laughs> she's doom scrolling on her prophecy knife oh my god you're right no, she, she's seen all the fucking like visions before she's just looking yeah. at them again to see if something good pops up this time like oh <laughs> like maybe that person who posts nice art will post art today maybe that comic i like will update no it's mostly stuff about how like all the frogs are dying okay first uh, he's gonna drown again yeah maybe he'll actually fucking die this time i don't know maybe <laughs> percy will act- a son of- wait maybe this is when a son of neptune will drown maybe the prophecy wasn't fulfilled i i don't know oh wait no you're right because that wasn't part of the um the we'll go to the land beyond the gods prophecy so it could be you're right wait wasn't it yeah it was uh ella came up with it like independent of that Oh, oh! I forgot about that. Honestly, I think my brain incorporated it into the Land Beyond the Gods prophecy, but that doesn't make sense because that was from Mars. Mm-hmm. Okay, I I understand now. I also understand why. This is, I I am a little bit more lenient with that now because like Ella, what I I forgot that was from Ella, and she was talking in like very clipped sort of prophecies. So that I guess it's fine. That I still think it's bullshit. It's bullshit, but you know. <laughs> Uh, speaking of things that are like visions of doom and sadness, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but like when when everyone gets back and Hazel and uh, Hazel and I think Leo or mostly Hazel is explaining like what they were doing out there, who they encountered. She says that they met Narcissus and and Nemesis. I think they already forgot Echo. <laughs> Oh God! I, oh, I I hate that, but I can see it being true. It's painful. It's really painful because Echo was the fucking best. But I didn't like, even notice that. I forgot Echo. Exactly. It, that's why it's so clever. Like it really hits you with that wham line at the end of chapter eight, and then chapter nine, it just breezes right past her. Like that. It's God. That, that's some good shit, Rick Riordan. <laughs> <laughs> i also am realizing that last fucking set of chapters they were like okay coach hedge go go out on the deck and you can be up there in case the in case the lake attacks us ha 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 and then the lake <laughs> did attack them the lake did attack them although it was percy that got rid of it because he's the guy who knows stuff about water mm-hmm. i kind of wish we got to see percy and annabeth and frank's tar monster adventure I, I also kind of want to see it. At the same time, I kind of like that it's not even elaborated on. It's just like, yep, this is what it's like to go to the store for Tar for a demigod. We, we all know this and accept this and we're not even going to question it. Agreed. I do, I do also like, in that same vein, like, Leo bursts in, shows off his awful, terrible look with his like slicked back hair and sharpied on tattoos refuses to elaborate further and leaves it's really good everyone's like what the fuck is happening what are you wearing this is one of those moments that would be like golden in the tv show oh absolutely speaking of leo leo what what do you think of leo and frank's dynamic with each other in these chapters uh come on guys frank come on frank is i did not expect this behavior from frank Frank needs to calm the fuck down. Hazel is not going to leave him for Leo. No, she obviously won't. Like, like not at this point in the story, at least. Maybe if he keeps being a douche. Exactly. Like, he is... (laughs) He's turned into, like, a dude bro, almost. He is a little bit. Leo is, like... Leo's just kind of, like, jokingly teasing him, like, the way that Leo does... But, like, mm-hmm. in a very normal way, he's like, haha, so if you can become a dragon, why not just be a dragon all the time? And Frank is like, uh, it's because it's, like, lifting weights. You don't always lift the hardest weight. And Leo's like, haha, well, I don't really lift weights, so I don't really know. And Frank is like, well, obviously you don't lift weights, like, Mr. Fucking Scrawny Bitch Ass. Like, 
it's like Frank. Come on, what happened to being like our our uwu soft boy? I don't know. <laughs> this is this is gonna seriously um, affect Frank's application for the Hunters of Artemis. <laughs> oh God! Oh no! They they like oh in in the past, even though you are a woman, you engaged in toxic masculinity, which will <laughs> like. Which forever mar that's that's horrible. They are turfs. You you still have AMAB privilege. Oh no. <laughs> I and but the moment from them that I really do like later is another like great just like slapstick moment in the seance when um like after the Eidolons leave their body, uh like Percy falls into his pizza and Annabeth catches him. Jason almost falls over, but Piper and Hazel catch him. And Leo just falls face first onto the hard wooden floor because like Frank is the one who could catch him, but he's just like, no, and it's like lets him like almost crack his skull open. <laughs> it's it's so fucked up. There are so many head injuries in these chapters. There are. Everyone is gonna be so concussed. I I I was desperately hoping because the, the, one of the things that Piper is freaking out about at the start of these chapters is that because Jason got cracked over the head with a brick, that he'll have lost all his memories again, and that would that would obviously be really tragic and really sad, especially for Piper. But it would also be really fucking funny if he just keeps getting amnesia. <laughs> it would be so funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jason's one character trait is that he keeps losing like what if he loses his memory goes in this quest at the end of it Juno is like ah you've done well my child and then I, like I'm now going to take your Gladius and give you this mysterious coin and <laughs> gives him the coin and just like he keeps losing his memory and like switching weapons at the end of every book <laughs> Oh, I thought where you were going with that is, like, Juno doesn't realize that he's lost his memory, gives him the coin back, but he has no idea how he uses it, so he just, like, puts <laughs> it in his wallet and never, never uses it. <laughs> he uses it to buy bubblegum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, okay, let's count the head injuries, because we have Jason getting hit in the head with a brick, <laughs> which I, I didn't even realize that happened. Yeah, he just gets bricked during the riot. Percy knocks Jason out via, like, hitting him in the head with a sword no 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 what percy does is he trips jason and jason falls over and smacks his head off the road right again <laughs> um so that's two for jason there's one for percy when <laughs> there's one for percy when a horse kicks him in the head when blackjack fucking betrays him and just smashes him over the head <laughs> i don't know if you all know this but if a horse kicks you in the head you usually die <laughs> I, I have I mean, to imagine. Uh -huh. Piper was telling Blackjack the whole time, like, "You will knock him out. You will not kill him." I, so she knows. She knows the dangers. For for some reason, it's almost exactly the same vibes as that bit in Last Jedi, where fucking Snoke is like, "Yes, I see. I see into your brain." He turns the sword to strike his true enemy, and it's because Piper is like, she's talking to talking over Percy's possessed shoulder. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to knock Jason out. I'm going to kill him. And it turns out she was talking to the horse who smacks him over the head. Yes. Oh, I don't understand the reference, but I do understand the idea. Have you not seen The Last Jedi? I haven't, no. Uh, strange. It's really good. I've heard it's good. Um, and the number four is Leo... Is Leo falling face first onto the floor? <laughs> so that's like at least four head injuries. Assuming I'm not forgetting any, which I easily could be. I can't think of any other ones. I hope this like doesn't keep happening because they do say that they're running out of ambrosia. <laughs> It'd be really funny if they had to stop off for ambrosia just because someone tripped and fell down a flight of stairs or something. It, that would be good. It it would make it feel like. So far, this honestly feels like a. You know when you're playing a video game, but like and like you're it's like a travel video game sort of thing, but like, oh, we have to stop and get this quest we have to do this quest, like we have to mm -hmm. do this um like we have to do this task. They're playing they're playing Oregon Trail. That's it exactly, it's Oregon Trail. <laughs> oh, speaking of uh Leo to just go back to the like Frank and Leo stuff. He so he manages to like dive bomb down the favorite character rankings in the space of like a paragraph in these chapters. Oh yeah. 
when he like he goes into piper's room to like get her for a meeting and he's like hey are you decent and piper can see him like peeking through his fingers oh yeah like, come it's... on man you don't don't do that no don't do that like it's kind of playful like maybe this is just what they do but she doesn't if, that, if this doesn't... is just what they do it sucks yeah yeah that's true and then like immediately oh you you are wearing clothes you're wearing one of those like shitty power rangers pajamas and she's like no the cherokee eagles and just whatever yeah he's he's being an asshole for sure leo leo is fun and i and i like him but he's mm-hmm. also an asshole is the thing he's sometimes a bit too much of an asshole yeah exactly see um, if he was acting like this i would understand why frank wanted to be the shit out of him <laughs> yeah frank has never seen him again. i mean i guess frank has only seen him like twice and one of those times was destroying his home so That's true. I, I, I guess i kind of get it but ah, uh, you know frank only lived there for a few months who cares Frank only lived there for a few months, and a lot of the time they were doing a racism against one of his ancestors, so, like... Yeah, I mean, they were, like, he was actively, like, bullied while he was there, too. It's, uh, <laughs> Just speaking of dynamics here, this is, like, so small. It's only, like, a paragraph, but I love it so much that it gets included. Uh, Piper and Annabeth. We, we learned that Piper and Annabeth have become, like, best friends between books. <laughs> and that, like... Piper is like, oh, it's really good to have Annabeth around because she's my best friend, and like, it's so good to have someone like her around. She just like makes everything feel better, and that like they've had this, they've had this like running joke where like Annabeth grabs Piper's bagel and takes a bite out of it. Piper's like, oh, it's fine. We have a running joke where we eat each other's breakfast, and like this, what is this? This is so good. Like, I, I don't know. To me, that kind of reads like how you rationalize like. Oh yeah, haha, we, we have this running joke where like I'll I'll buy lunch and then my friend will eat all of my lunch uh, and then beat me up and take my my lunch money. It's this it's this fun <laughs> running bit that we have between Like I know it's not that, but that's the vibes it has to me. <laughs> that's really good. Annabeth is bullying Piper. I she's just the way she is so genuine about it though, just is very it feels very nice. I, yeah. But reading it that way, it's my god. <laughs> We, we've all had that one friend who isn't very nice to us and doesn't like us and says mean things to us and makes us feel bad and does bad stuff to us. But, like, they're our friend. We, like, eat with them at the lunch table. And, and yeah, I continue to podcast with her. Oh. <laughs> I'm I, sorry. <laughs> the- I'm sorry. I thought, I thought that you were about to make that joke, so I was trying to, like, get in before you. You went in for the preemptive strike? <laughs> I took real damage. I'm sorry. Wow. That's like that's like when you're making a dialogue choice and like fire emblem or whatever and it's like your relationship has permanently gone down or something like <laughs> Not permanently, not permanently, but damn, my stats. You know what? This is this is revenge for the end of um the um the the episode I did for the um uh podcast minds episode 100. Uh-huh. The fucking oh, podcast yeah. garage with you you sent in that question about how do I deal with an extremely shitty host? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, we're even then. <laughs> You're a bad co host and I'm an abusive friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is this is this is our conflict arc as well. Cause we what I've got the camp half blood t shirt in the uh the cover and you've got the camp Jupiter one. Oh, so we have to right. like parallel the friction between the characters and the chapters. You're right. I'm hunting you down. Okay. <laughs> I, oh man. I mean, this this happened in the sweet and the sleepaway episode. People haven't heard yet too. We, there's some deep lore there about our friendship. That's true. Uh, speaking of deep lore, I don't know if this stood out to you. I need to go back to the first chapter again because oh my god. Alcio, we get more Alcionius information here, and it's driving me insane. It really? I thought that it was just fairly. It was basically just clarified what we basically already guessed was the case. Well, no the the reason this drove me insane because we've talked about like, oh, why was it that they were able to seemingly kill Alcionius without a god's help? Uh huh. Right. And this is what this is the reasoning they give. Uh, Alcionius was a special case. 
Frank said. He was only a mortal in the territory where he was reborn, Alaska, but non-Canada. So what this is saying is that Alcyonius is he doesn't he doesn't have to be killed with the help of a god. He he only has to be killed out of his territory, which to me makes it sound like he's actually the easiest giant to kill. I mean, it's, it's all contextual, right? Because he's not the easiest giant to kill. He is by far the most difficult if he does the sensible thing and just, like, lives in the middle of Alaska. He's only the, the easiest to kill because he's an idiot. <laughs> no, you're right. No, God. No, this is so funny. I was looking at world maps the other day, and, like, the person I was looking at it with was like, has, has Alaska always had this thin strip like this very thin strip at the bottom, and I was like, "Yes, I know this because of Percy, uh, because that's where Alcyonius lives." <laughs> like, okay, you're right, but it it feels so we- it feels like he's specked into a different class than all the other giants. This is like, this is literally what I said last book. Like they I can guess, spec into two different types of immortality. I guess, I guess you're right. It just <laughs> the, the way it's put here, making me realize that like I don't know, this guy sucks. This yeah, whole thing it's, it's unhinged. Ah, oh, I, I can't think about this too much. I mean, Rick didn't. I guess that's true. Uh, oh, wait, no, and the last thing I want to say about Annabeth and Piper was that, uh, and they were demigods. I don't get it. Like, they were roommates, but... Oh, I see. Never mind. Uh... No, no, I got it, I got it. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. You didn't get it fast enough for it to stay in the podcast. uh do you think you could drown percy in cement i like in like in bacano i guess i mean just like people do it all the time like the mob gets rid of bodies by drowning people in cement and stuff i guess so no i mean it's not water so probably but like okay here's what i'm thinking is like it has water in it Uh but also like if Percy manipulates the water, is that separate from the cement, and does does that just make it dry and solidify around him and kill him? Oh, maybe, maybe, because we know that he can drown in mud. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he he could probably that would probably kill him. I I, I think Percy would probably be pretty thoroughly japed by 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 a bit of a concrete cement I whatever just, it is. Because it's like it's like weird goo that they're drowning in in Piper's vision. So I was just, it that just got me thinking. That makes sense to me. I, I'm guessing that it's ghost juice. My, that's my, <laughs> guess, my guess for this vision is that it's like they're going to go into like the Eidolon well. And in the Eidolon well, there's ghost juice. Uh-huh. That sounds right. Ectoplasm. <laughs> ectoplasm, of course. Like in Blades in the Dark. Like ectoplasm from Blades in the Dark. Another thing about Leo, he's also already being like so hypersensitive about being left out. Like I think he learned all the wrong lessons from meeting with Narcissus and Echo. <laughs> He was like, this Narcissus guy is cool. I want to be like him. Yeah, I mean, a little bit, right? He's like, (laughs) there's a part where just like they're having a normal conversation about like info that was conveyed from Hazel and like Hazel or no, Percy is like, oh yeah, like Hazel said and Leo Betson's like, and like Leo said. And it's like, okay, Leo. I, I, I read that a little more as like, is it Percy or Frank that says that? It might've been Frank, yeah. If it, yeah, I think, I think it was Frank, and I think that was more a case of Leo being like noticing that Frank was deliberately kind of blanking him. That makes sense to me, and being actually. Like, I, being like antagonistic. I was reading it as Leo, like I, I think it probably is both things, right? Like yeah, probably. Leo th- thinking about the seventh wheel thing, and also Frank leaving him out because he's being an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about the fucking summoning horses scene yes they definitely not a dick measuring contest scene it my god it absolutely is these (laughs) they're like haha friendly rivalry thing they're doing is the like their bro-y playful competitiveness i could so easily seeing it go like just a little bit too far and they have a legitimate fight by the end of this book oh it feels like it's going that way like when when they're recovering after the fight and they're like, ah, no, bro, I would totally have killed you. Ah, no, no, you're no. There's not an ocean in Kansas. No, you, it would have. I would have killed you, but it's fine because we didn't. 
No, exactly. Like, <laughs> God, no, that fight is so intense. But okay, we'll we'll get to it. But we'll get to it. You want to talk about the horses? I do. The, the way that this goes, I fucking love. I just want to read this straight up. Um, Jason whistled. Piper knew what he was doing, but he'd succeeded in summoning Tempest only three times since they'd met the Storm Spirit at the Wolf House last winter. Today, the sky was so blue, Piper didn't see how it could work. Percy simply closed his eyes and concentrated. Like, damn, that's like, that's a great contrast. Like, <laughs> like, it's one of those very basic writing things where it's like, Jason's part has more words. Percy's part has less words. So that makes Percy seem a lot easier, um, like a lot more uh-huh. natural. Uh, but it, it really works to me. Like, Piper should bear... Or, Percy should really easily be able to summon a blackjack. Like they're they're very good friends, and I love that Piper is like kind of seeing Percy in a new light this entire time. It's it's one of the things that I talked about a lot instead of Neptune, where like Percy from outside of his own point of view comes off as like ridiculously powerful, and I think that's cool. Yeah, it's very funny because like Piper, Piper starts out being like, "Uh, yeah, I don't really get what the huge deal about Percy is. He just, he just kind of seems like a fucking loser." And like, uh-huh. a yes, he does look like a fucking loser, which is part of why he's so endearing. Uh, B, he's now going to summon a horse with his mind. If you're able to summon a horse with your mind, I think you automatically become the coolest person in the world. <laughs> Which is why, which is why Percy and Jason had to fight because they could both do it, so they they tied. Uh, this, this is this is kind of what I didn't want from their fight. Is the thing? Yeah. This is this is Batman v Superman shit. Like they're both they're both mind controlled. They're not even like it's not even like they both are suddenly brainwashed into believing they have to kill each other and they're using like their own tactics and guile to kill each other. It's just literally they get possessed by two outside forces who puff at their bodies. That's that's exactly right. That's a really good point because at first this feels like kind of a rollback to Jason versus Leo at Medea's Mall. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, God, I forgot that, about that. Yeah, but that fight was very like it was their personalities. They were the ones yeah. doing that, and this is not these two doing that, which is why it kind of because it's so emphasized on the cover and stuff like. I, I wonder if this is a warm-up to whatever is really coming between them. I hope so. Otherwise, this is... Pr- like, there's cool moments. Like, Jason literally zaps Percy with lightning, which is uh-huh. not... I, I think we've seen Jason use lightning like that maybe once before. He used it... I think I think he's used it twice to kill, gi- to kill or hurt giants. And then he uses it on Percy, and Percy kind of shrugs <laughs> it off. <laughs> So I that like that's like so it's an okay fight, but it, it's not it doesn't exactly fulfill the like ooh what will happen, the two sides like whoa who will fall, who will fall. There's nothing super interesting about it from that perspective. Also, it's kind of just um, it's weird because the conceit of the scene is supposed to be like Jason and Percy get mind controlled, and Gaia tells Piper, no, you have to choose uh, who lives and who dies between these two. And it seems like a really weird situation for Gaia to contrive, considering that, like, last book she was so determined not to lose Percy as a, a, like, a viable piece on the board that she killed Phineas. Whereas in this book she's, like, deliberately set up a situation where, like, the most likely uh, result is that Percy dies. Yeah, but I mean, Jason feels just as valuable to her, right? Like, I guess that's, that's the kind of the thing that bounces out for me. Is he? I don't... Have we... I don't know if we've heard about Jason being, like, a useful tool in the same way. Uh, I mean, insofar as, like, that's kind of what was happening in the first book, is that, like, Kyony was trying to, like, capture him, right? Oh, that's true, yeah. Okay, in so that it, case, it makes even less sense, because that means that no matter what happens, she loses. Well... But she doesn't, because I guess we learn here that actually her plan is that she wants the blood of one one male demigod and one female demigod, so she only needs one of them. <laughs> Sorry, I just... I've, ha- I've had this vision of, like, the alternate universe ending of this book. Mm-hmm. There's, like, Leo and Frank are, like, tied up in Gaia's lair and, like, everyone else bursts in to try and save them. 
And Percy's like, well, your plans are bust anyway. You need a male and a female demigod for this to work, so just let them go. And Frank's just like, guys, I got something to tell you. <laughs> oh, that would be... <laughs> you know, the, I guess that progra- progressive? I don't know. <laughs> a surprisingly progressive take on killing trans people. <laughs> I honestly kind of like this plan like this as like just her grand Gaia's grand plan is to like spill the blood of two demigods and like upon Olympus and have that reawaken her that honestly kind of works for me because it's so basic Mm -hmm. like to me it's like it makes sense because it was set up well in the last two books like there were like sort of indirect mentions that that was what it was going on and also yeah, Polybides just... comes up again he's relevant again yeah yeah Polybides, Kaini, all of them and it's also just pretty straightforwardly fucked up and scary it gives you the stakes like she wants to like she wants to kill them it's it's primal in a way that makes sense for Gaia mm-hmm, definitely yeah this this isn't like the the scheming political machinations of someone like Kronos Right, like, she will manipulate, but her manipulation isn't for... This goes back to, like, she doesn't want to rule the world, she wants to destroy it. She wants to destroy, quote-unquote, civilization. Mm-hmm. Whereas, well, Kronos kind of also, he wanted to, like, replace it with his own, rather than yeah, just yeah. return everything, return to nature. God, Gaia really is just Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, she she is an eco-fascist, once again. <laughs> we should talk about Bacchus, right? We should. He's back. He's finally here, returning to you. It's <laughs> it's it's the best god of the whole damn crew. It's it, we I friend of Bacchus has finally been affirmed as a title. Like, we saw the <laughs> statue of him, but w- what do you think of this guy? I I I love him. I I don't. I think this is maybe the first like um, Roman redesign that I. I don't like quite as much as the Greek one, but I think it's still pretty good. Uh huh. Whereas, like, he's wearing like, um, what is it like a shitty shirt, like shorts and Birkenstocks with socks. And the way Piper puts it is that he looks like a thirty-year-old who hasn't figured out that he's not a frat boy anymore. Yeah. Which is is such a good, uh, such a good different take on like the the alcohol god than like weird shitty old man in a Hawaiian shirt. Definitely. Like, I mean, it kind of feels like guy who will turn into weird shitty old man. Uh, <laughs> but there's also like some elements like he has, he's a bit more like boyish. He has like the longer hair. He's just sort of has this vibe about him. And there's also like somewhat feminine, which is interesting. It like kind of calls to mind like de- how depictions of these gods often were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he mentions John Green. <laughs> okay. I'm glad it wasn't just me that picked this out. <laughs> he he does the fucking Peter Johnson bit, but with Jason instead, and is like, ah, oh, of course, John Green. <laughs> this has to be a deliberate reference, right? Of course it is. Do you think he's getting confused with the actual in-universe John Green? Because <laughs> there's actual so. in-universe Rick Riordan. <laughs> I, I really hope so. John, oh wait, which which Roman which Roman god is John Green a child of? Oh Jesus, um, Mercury because of his mercurial nature. Uh, Aphrodite because he likes cock. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's fair. Maybe Venus because he likes penis. <laughs> Uh, this this whole thing is full of good bits. Like he drinks diet Pepsi instead of diet Coke. That's very good. I love that. Literally laughed out loud. Just like it's so simple and stupid, but like great. And like Piper asks him for advice, and he just goes, "Okay, well, what you don't want to do these days is throw a big, uh, expensive party. People want a low key event with organic snacks." And she's like, no, "No, no, no, no. That's not what I meant. I meant advice about the quest." It's really good and. <laughs> Also, like, Percy tries to do, like, he tries to do the thing he does with Mr. D, where Mr. <laughs> D is like, is like, oh, Peter John, like, um, you know, Petrov fucking... Johannesburg. 
Johannesburg. I will like, I'll turn you into a dolphin. I'll turn you into a leopard. I'll drive you insane. Ha ha. But like, you can tell that he doesn't really mean it by this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bacchus means it. Bacchus almost fucking kills Percy. Bacchus almost kills Percy. And like, the extremely funny thing is that I think Percy realizes that and he still doesn't back off. <laughs> this is the Percy Jackson we know and love. He is... I, I, I love that, like, his his impertinence is, like, one of the things that's really endearing about him, but also the book doesn't shy away from the fact that, like, he is making the situation much, much worse by being like this. It's interesting because we've, see, we've seen this exact same type of thing happen before from his perspective, and even in those times, he usually knows that he's crossed the line but is still doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting to see what that looks like to other people uh which is like oh god this fucking this fucking jerk is gonna get us all killed is great that's that's great i wonder if it's a case of like percy realizes that he's crossed a line maybe three or four comments after he's actually crossed it yeah and like everyone else has figured that out but he hasn't i yeah i think that's exactly right right like (laughs) that feels like the type of like like brain that percy has you know what i mean (laughs) yeah definitely uh i also like like brought up that bacchus used to be a demigod yeah this doesn't this only i think the only time this has come up is uh, last olympian but yeah it's it's a nice little detail the kind of i don't think we really contemplated it too much when when it was brought up then but it really made me think this time like he was a demigod he went on quests it kind of makes sense that he's a camp director Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, it feels like it's not just the punishment for the sake of it, but actually, like, well, it's good to have someone there, like, who actually suit the role. And in a way, Dionysus does. Well, I was about to say, it it does kind of reflect, it's a very good reflection of, like, very flawed manager knowledge. Where it's like, oh, yeah, this guy did this thing, like, like, several decades ago. He'll be just as good at it in today's current environment. We'll just parachute him back into this role. And he's very clearly not, because he's kind of shit and very unhelpful when it comes to quests. Very true. Well, she's still kind of... He, he he helps with quests more than Dionysus really ever has. This is true. Uh, t- tells them about Forces. Uh, insert foreskin joke here. I don't know. <laughs> this is true. Oh, also, um, when, when he teleports, uh, he makes the cork unpopping sound that I put at the start of Nectar of the Pods episodes. Oh god, yeah. Do you think he <laughs> listens? Uh, 100%. He has to... Uh, listen, he's starved of real alcohol and real nectar. He has to get it where he can. He hears, thank you for sipping for sipping our nectar, and he is like, he's like, oh god, if only I could. If we if we ever get someone signing up at the Friend of Barkus tier, which has literally never happened before, I think we do just have to assume it's Mr. D. Yeah, I, I, that makes sense to me. Before we wrap it up, let's talk Eidolons. We should talk. Oh, wait, I, one last thing about Mr. D, and, that, and then I swear we can move on, I promise. Definitely. Uh, we've really just ditched the whole, like, don't say the names of the gods, their names have power kind of thing. Has that ever really been a thing, though? It was. That was why he was called Mr. D to begin with. Oh, and, yeah, like, that's in, true. In Lightning Thief, when Percy says Zeus's name, there's, like, a, an ominous rumble of thunder. And it seems like that's very much just fallen by the wayside. I think that was left behind in Lightning Thief, so that'll be fair. Yeah, that's not been a thing for a while. It's just taken me this long to notice. I Yeah, I completely forgot about it, to be honest. But yeah, that that's one of those things that is like, well, this is being ape from Harry Potter, and I can be my own thing instead. Yeah, I, I think he must have realized it was a bit Voldemort and just decided, for, for the, which in, in retrospect was a great move to just distance himself. No, for sure. Like, there's something, <laughs> there's something to the idea of like we need to put, like, a different name on these immortal things. Uh, but just having them be what they are kind of plays more into the like they are cosmic mobsters. Like, uh, <laughs> they will they will show you who they are, and they will like extort you about it. God, the f- uh, fucking celestial mafia thing from Demigod Diaries is so good. Still, yeah. Uh, so what do you think of the the ghosties, the Eidolons? Uh, when we got to the end of the chapter where Piper was like, hold on a second, the Eidolons are still in the ship with us. 
Uh, my brain involuntarily played the like Among Us. There is one imposter Among Us noise. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this is what the culture has become. This is what this is. I understand. I understand you fully. I I can't tell you that my brain didn't do the same thing. <laughs> but it's. I I also really like that line. I think it's like a classic, like goosebumpsy sort of like horror. It's very line. good. This this whole seance sequence really kind of hits for me that's incredibly interesting because it didn't hit for me and i i want to i want to be convinced otherwise well i i want to hear your thoughts first my my main thoughts are that um i was taken out of it kind of by like a it felt really weird that piper is like oh yeah i can sense that they're here uh because my my grandpa used to tell me uh cherokee stories about ghosts uh, and I can therefore recognize them in this moment. And I'm... I Part of me is like, is that like weird Native American mysticism going on? But then again, a lot of this series is about like, oh, you know, mythical knowledge can actually be really helpful in some contexts. So I don't know. It's kind of, it's weird and tangled up in in, in that way. Uh, the second thing is I just thought it was kind of weird that it kind of lame that the resolution is just the Piper charm speaks them to fuck off. Yeah, that that's why I'm really of the mind that like they're co- they're going to come back. Uh, yeah, they like, must. To me, this is like this is one of those things that they're going to come back later and possess like Percy's mom or something. I don't know. Okay, that would kind of rule. Like they have to fucking fight Sally Jackson sword like it, it, like sword fight Sally Jackson or something. And that'd I, be a hard fight because she has a shotgun and she fucking she, used it in book five. Yeah, that's true. My God, <laughs> I so, but so I. If this was the resolution to the Eidolon stuff, I would agree that it's just kind of flat. But I mm-hmm. don't think it is, hopefully. I, I think the seance bit itself works well. Like, um, I think Leo, like, like Leo laughing and then realizing that he is holding his hand up, that's that's That is a very good. good beat. I like that. Um, the Eidolons aren't particularly scary, but there is, like... The, the threat is there of, like, oh, God, what if they just, like, never leave? It gets wrapped up pretty quickly, but there's, like... Like them goading Frank for a second, like it, it really feels like something is like some shit is going to go down, but it never really does. Yeah, I would I would have liked this as like maybe if they weren't completely neutralized, but they were more of like a lurking threat on the ship. That would have been kind of cool. Like if they're driven out like into the hall, like oh we can't go on that deck anymore. Oh yeah, no, that would be really good. That would be cool. I I wonder. Like I I I'm very curious how they're gonna come back. I hope they do. Just a few miscellaneous things before we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we get to hear. I don't. Maybe we've heard this before. Piper's nickname. Piper's like the equivalent of of Annabeth calling Percy seaweed brain. Uh, we learn is Piper calling Jason Lightning Boy, which just sounds like a shitty DTS superhero name. It really does. This is like what <laughs> Static like what Static thought before he was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be Static Shock. <laughs> I will be Lightning Boy. There's nothing that sucks. Like, there's nothing cute about. I mean, there's like, if you saw like an eight-year-old superhero named Lightning Boy, then it's like, oh, that's cute. But there's nothing think cute about a name later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I don't think Piper will. I, I, it's, it's actually. I really enjoy how can like how in her feelings Piper is about all of this. Piper is always in her feelings, and so far I've always found that enjoyable to read. No, it is because it's finally keyed in on, not finally, it's been there before, but it's keyed in on, like, what's interesting about, like, like a child of Aphrodite, like, the aspect of romance, because Piper is fucking, like, torn up about, like, what does it mean that, like, I love Jason, but also I'm having all these other feelings in the world, too, and, like, desires and conflicts and fears, and how does that involve, like, that love? I think it's very well done here. You know, I hadn't even considered that, but you're totally right. That, like, yeah, it is like, it's kind of subtle, but it is definitely like kind of an exploration of a different way of being a child of Aphrodite than like Silena Beauregard or uh, Drew. What's her face was? Ruth Naka. Yeah, that was it. Oh, um, this this chapter was how I learned that you can hear corn growing. Oh God, yeah. Well, like the the description of Gaia's voice is like it was Piper's like. It sounded like the corn growing outside my um, my grandpa's house. It was like that same horrible rustling. And it's like, oh, that, that's a really good description. I like that. It is. It really is. 
do we have anything else we want to say before we wrap it up uh rick assuming that octavian's saying that reina is soft on the greeks will automatically mean she loses is just like peak liberal brain poison no it it is it really <laughs> is like it's very like i mean i guess like this could be like further oh camp jupiter all, all suck and they're assholes uh this like is true the, like they're all like weird war hawks but it it does have the vibe of like you have to be hard on crime or else mm-hmm. you'll lose the the base you'll lose the sport i think that's everything i think so too our intro and outro music is super mario ocean by space pony you can find that at oc remix our intro and outro music is by vera at insmith underscore in on twitter you say our intro and outro music again. Did I fucking uh, our cover art is by our cover art is by Vera at Insmith underscore in on Twitter. <laughs> You're just following my flow too well. Um, <laughs> we joke about not being friends, but we're actually a little bit too close. Uh, no, our, our brain waves are like synced up. And we're hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. They are. Uh, located on twitter.com slash moonshot pods they're on co-host i think at moonshot network and you can find all sorts of wonderful shows there we'll leave an uh, a little promo for one at the end of this episode for you to listen to if you would like to be a promo that ends up on an episode of unwise girls uh we're taking pictures for new shows at the minute so if you you have a podcast idea or you've got a podcast that you're currently doing uh send it through yeah yeah i think the deadline is december if you want to say 12th or 14th mid-december mid-december and if you want to find us on the internet you can go to twitter.com slash unwise girls or co-host.com slash unwise girls or tumblr.com slash unwise girls that's not really how tumblr works but unwise girls.tumblr.com it's the same username there you can find links to our personals uh, you can find a link to our discord server which you should definitely join you can find our email all that good stuff if you want to support us, you can go and leave a five-star reading review on your podcast of choice. You can tell your friends about us, or you can go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls, where for just a dollar a month, you can get the Discord role of Camp Counselor, uh, which will give you that one in the Discord role of Camp Counselor. Um, <laughs> for $3 a month, you get the Discord role of Friend of Bacchus. Points at this one. You, you could be this if you wanted to. Uh, which you gets be Bacchus. You- exactly that's what we said would happen so it will happen uh which will get you all of our bonus content uh yeah if you i think this would actually be a really good time to sign up for the bonus show because we are like we are running up on the end of reading all of homestuck so like yeah very soon we're gonna have like a complete like i don't want to say analysis because i don't know i don't know what we do reading that counts as analysis but uh certainly a full account of the entire comic if you'd be interested in listening to that definitely yeah we're we're, we probably have like less than five episodes before we're done with it maybe god and for five dollars a month you can get the discord roll of venus is chosen all of our bonus content and a special thank you at the end of every episode speaking of which this week we'd like to thank danny tanner mercy veronica friend brie and erica thank you everyone thank you And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye. Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. Andrew, Andrew, what are you doing? Oh, hey, Marn. Uh, so I'm playing through an alternate reality game, and there's a number station puzzle that we just can't solve. Uh huh. Yeah. So I tried everything else, and I figured that the best way to solve it would be to get into its head and think like a number station. I've been saying numbers into microphones for hours. Okay. Well, I I think I have a better idea. What's that? You could just listen to the Argonauts podcast. Every two weeks, I could let you know the ins and outs of old Args and give you a deep dive on how they were created. Uh, do you think we could like have a nuanced discussion about game-making philosophy and how cultures around games have changed as well? 
Yeah, and you can definitely continue to fail to solve old arcs along the way. Well, it sure would be cool if that was a podcast you could find to bung with a bunch of other great shows over on the Moonshot Network. You know, it sure would. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for the invite. Uh, anyways, I'm going to get back to this, though. 23. 19. Okay. 